Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. So I want to explain a little bit for those of you who are newer to Church 214, how we do things here. We um, don't just have one person, one pastor that preaches every week. We have a whole team of people. It's called our teaching team. And that's why you'll see different people up here different at different weeks. And I wanted to just introduce Katie today to you. Because um, I think sometimes we get up here to preach and we forget that not everyone knows who we are. So I'm going to introduce you. Is that okay? So I met Katie eight years ago, almost eight years ago. And um, she was not somebody that I would have said, yeah, someday she'll be up here preaching because you, you weren't really following a life that Jesus asked us to walk, right? And you went through some, some bumps. You had some things. Listen, Katie's story is so incredible because she has been through, you name it, she has been through it. She has been through hell on earth. Some of her own choosing and some of what has happened to her. And the thing about Katie is that she has, even when she went off a little bit, she was still listening to the voice of the Lord. Even though she didn't realize it at the time, she was. And then God brought her, and I got to brag on her husband a little bit because there was a season. Is it okay if I say this? There was a season. She's like, I don't have a choice now. You're already saying it. I don't care. <laughs> there was a season where Katie and her husband separated, and Katie stopped coming to church. And her husband, her sweet husband, would come every Sunday, and he would beg the Lord to rescue his marriage. And he would, he would come to the men of this church, and he would say, what do I need to do? Tell me what to do to get my family back, to get my wife back. And a couple months later, that happened. Their marriage was redeemed. And now, Katie is up here preaching the word of God. She is so faithful to the Lord, and he has been so faithful to her. And I want you to know that it doesn't matter what your story is, God can redeem it. God can redeem it, just like he has with Katie. And then the other thing is, you might have noticed she's a chick. And we're yeah. cool with that here. We're good with that here. We're, we think it's awesome that God made two genders, male and female, and he gave us both voices. And so we are a church that will let and ask and, and choose to have women communicate God's word from our stage. We're not belligerent about it. We're biblical about it. Yeah. Okay, and so if you have questions about that, listen, we understand that that is something that the church for a long time has said was not cool, and you might have grown up that way, and if you don't understand it and you have questions, come see us. We would be more than happy to have that conversation with you and, and teach you why we believe that is true. So I have talked way too much now. Are you ready? Okay, give it up for Katie. All right. Well, I thanks, Hev. That was a quite the intro. I'm not good at talking about myself, so if other people do it for me, it makes it a lot easier. But like she said, my name is Katie. I have the privilege of being on the teaching team here at Church 214. Um, I'm a wife. I'm a mom. Both things that I love and 
by walking faithfully in those two callings, the Lord has completely flipped this message on its head and gave me a new word to speak. So I'm excited for this morning. I believe that there's going to be healing and breakthrough and joy restored and hope restored. And I'm just so excited um, for the way that the Lord is going to move, not because of what I want to say, but what he wants to speak through me. And so I actually opened to the very front page of my Bible this morning, and I forgot that I don't know how long ago I wrote this down. I've had this Bible for a few years now. My husband's not here, but tell him I want a new Bible for my birthday. It's in a couple weeks. It's his birthday today, so, um, but tell, yeah, just dropping hints. New Bible for Katie for her birthday. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, but on the front page of my Bible, I wrote, I'm anointed to bring hope. And then I was reminded of the verse. And there's a song, and I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's singing that verse, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and I'm anointed to bring hope. And that's just not me. That's each and every one of us. We carry the authority to share the hope of Jesus with others. And so if you missed Ike's message last week, it was absolutely phenomenal. I could not. I can't recap it well for you. I can't do it justice in that way because it was so amazing. And I was writing notes down on my phone the entire time. I should have just asked him for his message notes. It would have been easier <laughs> to keep. But he did such an excellent job. And he was the one, I believe, that had um, the Lord spoke this, this series idea to him. And so for him to lay the foundation for where the Lord is going to take us each week in this series and just that Jesus is our, is our anchor. He is our hope. And we get to stand on that firm foundation while we live in a fallen and broken world. And so, um, like I said, I had another message planned entirely about two months of something that the Lord was speaking to me. And I thought that's where we were going this week. And I, I was excited for that. And maybe there will be a a time that I get to preach that message, or maybe that's one that I just keep personal to myself. Um, but I'm going through the freedom course that's led by Lynn. And last Sunday before church, I accidentally skipped ahead in my workbook. Um, I wasn't paying attention. And so I did what is for our class this week, the first day. And I was like, oh, it kind of like made me a little bit uncomfortable. The Lord was revealing some things to me. And then I was um, helping lead worship last weekend. And so we were going through the run through and the Lord just completely downloaded a new word to me, specifically um, for a situation that I'm walking through in my own life uh, in regards to our son. But then he just kept pouring more and more out. And I was so, I kept, I was getting so excited. And two of the things that he kept speaking continually were brokenness does not equal hopelessness and hope is a heart posture. So those are our two focuses for today. But I want to um, backtrack a little bit before I get too excited and go into those things because um, biblical hope is a confident expectation in, in God, in the character of God. And our world has, be we've become way too casual with our words. Um, Phil, you preached about it a couple weeks ago. The, like, the words that we use matter and the words that we choose to use in a situation, that matters. 
and that has impact. And so um, worldly hope is fake. It is faulty. It is not, um, I mean, you could look it up in the dictionary and it's going to say it's an expectation of what is to come or like trust or something like that. But real hope is a confident expectation in the character of God and who he is. And so I'm not saying this to be like legalistic or tell you um, what you should and shouldn't say, but I do challenge you to focus on what you are saying and what you are speaking into a situation because that matters. Um, And I probably have like told some of you, I hope you feel better. I hope you have a good day. And those, that's not bad. But if we're not acting on it, then we are not bringing the confident expectation of God to change the situation into it. And so if I'm saying, I hope you feel better, but I don't pray for you, I'm not taking action. I'm not actually, um, <laughs> I, I was really convicted when the Lord said that to me. So that's not militant hope. That's not an active hope. That is a faulty hope that the world provides that is going to gain nothing. That is just like, saying, okay, I hope you feel better, and then walking away from the situation completely. That's not pushing back uh, darkness. Because our God, he offers an active, continual hope. And so when you think about what you're saying, speaking over yourself, what you're speaking over other people, because it matters. And it's going to push back darkness. And so the first thing, brokenness does not equal hopelessness. And I think this is so important because especially if our hope is in what the world offers, um, hopelessness feels really easy to fall into. And it is straight from the pit of hell. It is the brokenness. Yes, we live in a fallen and broken world, but we do not live without a hope. And you, again, you can go back and listen to Isaac's message from last week because we have our, our hope is in Jesus. God has fulfilled the promise that his son would come and save us. And then we get to live in, with expectant, confident, in a confident expectation that he is going to come again. And so, we, yes, we live in this fallen and broken world and it is painful and it sucks. And I'm like, Jesus, you can come back any day now. I'm ready. But that does not mean that we live in a state of hopelessness, because if we are choosing hopelessness, then we are choosing not to live in the presence of Jesus. And so uh, I just want to tell you right now, man, if you have thoughts of just feeling like your situation is hopeless and you feel stuck in the pit, we bind and rebuke those things in the name of Jesus. And we send them straight back to the pit of hell where they came from. Because if you believe in Jesus, or even if you're teetering on that edge and you don't know yet, Gosh, he is the best thing that has ever happened to me. He fills you with hope. And my life verse has become Psalm 40, um, specifically the first three verses. But I spent like six months where I just broke it down completely. And I haven't gone back to it in a long time. And I probably have preached on it before, but it's just that good. So Psalm 40, verses 1, 2, and 3. I waited patiently and expectantly for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me out of a horrible pit of tumult and destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, like Isaac preached last week, that firm foundation that is Jesus. He pulled me out of the pit, and he set me on the rock. 
steadying my footsteps because it's not easy, especially at first. When you first come to know Jesus, it is like, okay, uh, I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> he's steady, he's my footsteps in, esta- in establishing my path. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will fear with great reverence and will trust confidently, confidently in the Lord. And then actually verse 17 in Psalm 40 says, even though I am afflicted and needy, still the Lord takes thought and is mindful of me. He, he is mindful of you. He knows you completely. He knows what you need. You are my help and my rescuer. Oh, my God, do not delay. And so when we're choosing to be in the pit and where the world um, tells you your situation is hopeless or you have put expectations on what your situation should look like and what God should do and he's not meeting your expectations, trust me, what he has is so much better than what the expectations you can put on a situation. And it sucks, like living in that, that, that tension, that waiting of, um, of feeling like you just need God to show up. But he's waiting for you to call on him. He's wa- I waited patiently and expectantly for the Lord, and he inclined to me and he heard my cry. And if you feel like you're waiting on the Lord today, you can be expectant. You can have that confident, expectant hope in the Lord because he hears you and he loves you and he sees you and he's pursuing you. And your situation is not hopeless no matter what other people are speaking over it, no matter what you yourself are speaking over it. And I believe so many of us have come into alignment with lives of hopelessness. Like we can't see past what is happening right now And uh, hope is for what is to come. And so our eyes are fixed on what is happening right in front of us instead of fixing our eyes on Jesus. And we have trusted more what man speaks over a situation or what the world expects of a situation instead of what our Heavenly Father has spoken over the situation, instead of what he promises us. Right? We sang earlier, like he's not good until it's done. And sometimes that good isn't going to come until Jesus comes back or we go to heaven. But how are we embracing hope right now in our lives? Or are we choosing to stay focused on the situation and live in a pit of darkness and despair when the Lord is trying to pull us out of it? He's like holding, I just have like a picture of him holding on to like your shirt and your feet are just dangling there and you think he's going to drop you, but he's really not going to drop you. And we speak negative things over our situation and we say he's not done until it's good, but we don't understand the depth of what that means. But we can have hope. And our, our hope is that he... He has a plan. And everything he has done, he is still good. Like, despite our circumstances right now, he is still who he says he is. His promises are still true. And we can can put our hope in him because, like I said earlier, he has sent Jesus. He has already come. And we can live with the hope that he's coming again. 
And I think we get too fixed on what is happening here and now that we forget that he's already done what he's going to, that he has already done what he said he was going to do, and he's going to do it again. And when he pulls you from the pit and he puts a new song in your mouth, that's a song of hope. That's a song of redemption. That's a song of salvation. That's one of power and authority because of Jesus. That's not by our own doing. We choose Jesus. We choose that firm foundation. And then what he does from there will absolutely blow your mind. And he has given, when, he, when the Lord showed me this verse, um, man, I was like in the depths of a pit of despair going through depression and anxiety. And it's so cool to be on the other side of that. Not completely, I have my days. But to know the authority that the Lord has given me to speak into a situation because I walk what I've walked through, that's not hopelessness. Yes, we live in a fallen and broken world and we have to experience painful and broken things. And our physical bodies and our minds aren't, healthy and whole like he originally planned and like they're going to be in heaven. But he has given us a hope. He has given us authority to speak over situations. And when we're pulled, I've been pulled out of the pit so many times. And that's sometimes that's by our own choosing to go back in because we lose focus on Jesus. But he has given you a hope. He has given you authority. And then you get to choose whether or not you're going to walk in that authority, whether or not you are going to walk in that hope. And then you get to go and transform other people's situations by the power of your testimony and what Jesus has done in your life. And so this crappy situation, whatever it is right now that you feel like you're walking through, your hope, if your hope is in Jesus, even right now, walking through a crappy situation, you can go and you can share that treasure with other people, like Heather said earlier. And then you, give, you get to activate that hope in other people. And then the enemy is losing ground. He, I, just, I fully believe that this next six months that he has our church in, like the enemy is so scared that he is losing losing the ground, that the, the victory that Jesus has already won, but the places where he thinks he has people, he's like, oh man, I got them there. But he is setting people free. He is giving you authority. And then you get to go and you get to share that hope with other people, the hope that you have found in Jesus. And that is how we are going to see so many lives change. That is revival. We get to share with other people and we get to bring more of heaven to earth when we cling to the hope of eternity. Because what it, we get to live our lives focused on eternity, focused on that hope of Jesus. And that is not hopelessness. And so I want to challenge you. And I'm going to challenge you again at the end of my message, but... What have you given up hope in? Or what in your life feels hopeless? Or what are you scared to hope for? Or what feels too big to hope for? He's got it. It's not too, much, it's not too big for him. We don't need to fear 
the unknown because he's got it taken care of. And to be completely honest, I'm just now getting to a place in my life where I feel like I can trust Jesus completely and put my hope in him in a situation, in any situation in my life. And I thought I was there like a year ago or six months ago. And I look back and I'm like, wow, I have it completely surrendered certain areas of my life to Jesus. I, I like control. It's a good thing I'm going through freedom. Like, I have had a tight grip on my life my entire life. I like control. I have um, my poor husband. I have lots of expectations of people. <laughs> um, but I also am really scared to release control in, in any situation in my life. And I was thinking back, and this was before I even signed up for freedom. And we had the first night here at church for the year. It was called first, if you weren't here. Um, and I just felt the Lord, like, telling me I was being stagnant. I wasn't moving forward. I wasn't trusting him in situations. I had a death grip on everything in my life. And I was stressed out and overwhelmed and on the brink of literally a mental breakdown. Like, I don't know... I don't think I could have gone another day living the way I was. And there is multiple things that <laughs> affect that. And I'm getting deeper into the reason why. But if I wouldn't have surrendered at least a little bit of that, when I felt the Lord tugging on my heart, I would not have been able to preach today. I would not have been able... <laughs> My husband worked 72 hours straight this week, was home for 24, went back to the firehouse, was home for another day. And so that has been hard for me. Like our answered prayers have been hard for me because I had expectations on what they were going to look like. And Jesus hasn't met my <laughs> expectations in that, but what he has is so much better. Um, and it's been really painful to give up my expectations of what situations should look like and my control of what I got. Like, this is what I wanted this to be. It was supposed to be easy and good and feel good and not always feel like I'm hitting my head against a wall or I shouldn't feel stressed taking care of my kids because this is what you've called me to. But it was so cool that, and Heather, I love that you introed me and had introed the teaching team. Because each of us on the teaching team, this isn't our job. Like, we don't get paid. We are not, um, but we're called by the Lord. And so each and every person either has a family that they're taking care of. Outside of this, they have a job outside of preaching on a Sunday morning. And so when the Lord was changed what I had for today, last Sunday, a week ago, and I didn't feel like he had given me the appropriate amount of time I needed to <laughs> prepare for a message and then m let my husband be at the firehouse for 72 hours and I'm home with my boys and I was just like yeah uh this ain't, this ain't gonna happen <laughs> but if I wouldn't have surrendered certain things in my life and a little bit of that control and just be like okay Jesus I trust you like you got this everything is taken care of I have all that I need 
I wouldn't have been up here today. I told Heather earlier this week, I was like, if the Lord wouldn't have freed me from from some stuff, this would not be happening. I would have been out. And I've never taken it. She's given me outs before for messages, and I've never taken them. And I wasn't about to now. But I think it's just, it's our heart posture. And we talk about that a lot at this church. It's true surrender to Jesus and trusting what he has for a situation and not letting the expectations that we have for our life ruin what he has for us. And so hope is a heart posture. It is coming before the Lord and being completely bare. And I love that faith, hope, and trust kind of all intertwined together because it's it's trusting the Lord. It is being confident that he is who he says he is and that my heart can be completely surrendered to him because he is good and he's going to do what he said he will do. It's humble hearts. Because my way usually seems a lot better than what he has in the moment. Or we're adopting, we are adopting our youngest, and I declare that it's going to be this year. Um, But the things that have been spoken over that situation by people involved that, like, I wouldn't choose them to be involved if I had it my way. Like our caseworker, she was great at first, and now I'm not a fan, but I have to love her still because that's what Jesus asked me to do. And when I got, like, information, we thought we were going to be done, honestly, right when we got him almost two years ago this month, which seems crazy. And then it's been month after month, and then six months, and then three months, And I'm like, okay, God, this was supposed to be done a long time ago. And then they told us that it won't be done in March like we thought thought it would. And my hope was wrecked. Like I was falling into that pit of hopelessness. And that's one of the things that the Lord spoke to me last weekend while I was up here worshiping. He's like, you don't have to come into alignment. You don't have to believe what was spoken over the situation. Are you surrendered to me? Do you trust me? Do you believe that I said what I'm going to do? Do you believe that I'm good? And I go back and I'm like, shoot. I have to surrender again. And I have to do it all the time. And it kind of sucks. Because I thought I was good. I'm like, Jesus, Like, I want to be as good as you want me to be. But then I don't want to be as good as you want me to be. I want things my way. But when our heart is fully surrendered to him, when we are in a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus, Last The last six months of church last year, go back on the podcast if you didn't hear those messages. We got to talk about intimacy with Jesus and really knowing him. And it's been the most beautiful thing. But that's a choice. Intimacy with Jesus is a choice. 
it's, it's hard work. It is a discipline to choose Jesus over what the world says because what the world has is really easy. But it's also really crappy. And it's full of junk and lies. And intimacy with Jesus doesn't have to look like this pretty thing with a bow on it. Like how he, if you lived inside my mind, sorry if you did, it's a mess up there. <laughs> but the Lord like speaks to me like what, what people say are like our consciences or what the world says is. And literally it's just like a still small voice in my head and it's me talking back and forth with God. And sometimes it's messy, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I'm like, God, are you sure? Like, this makes no sense. My human mind cannot comprehend what you are speaking to me right now. But usually when I can't understand what he's trying to say, it's because I'm lacking intimacy with him. Because I think it needs to look a certain way, like an hour of quiet time with him in the morning before my kids get up. And that's not really practical because they started waking up at 5.30, and I'm like, Jesus, I can't get up at 4.30. I could. I did for a season. And he's like, just meet me where you're at. Just surrender your heart to me where you're at. That's enough. That, that's enough for him. Just to be with you, to, for you to sit in his presence, that's enough for him. And so hope as a heart posture comes from intimacy with him comes from a deep abiding relationship with him it comes from remaining confident in who he is and trusting him being planted on that firm foundation psalm 27:13 says i remain confident of this i will see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living and that is one of my favorite verses ever um, and I have, I've known it for a long time, but after my brother passed, this, this is the first verse he, sh he reminded me of that. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living that he's not done. And our confidence is only shaken when we are not surrendered to him. Our confidence in him is shaken or the enemy wants it to be shaken. Because he doesn't want you to remain confident in the Lord. He doesn't want you to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He wants you to see darkness and despair and hopelessness. He wants you to see all of the bad things that are happening around you. And he doesn't want you to focus on the goodness of the Lord. And we can get tied up in the waiting. When we're waiting for God to turn a situation around. But Psalm 130, verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. Every part of you waits. Your spirit, your physical body, your mind. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. Because this is what is true. In his word, I put my hope. You can trust. If you go through the if you go th read through, through through your Bible, and you specifically like the Old Testament, and you see all of the things that God spoke to his people and he did, you would be amazed. And we forget that, that what, he, what he's done, he's going to do again. 
But I think it's, we feel so far removed from God. Our world feels darker than what it did in the Old Testament. Believe me, it's not. It's the same fallen, broken world. And at least we don't have to offer sacrifices to be in the presence of God. Like, all you hunters out there, good job. If I had to skin an animal or kill it, I would... Our, yeah, our puppy found a dead cat under our deck, and Thomas was at the firehouse. And he's like, do I need to call the department that's close to our house and have them come get the dead cat out of the yard for you? I'm like, that is the most embarrassing thing in the world. No, you're not going to have somebody come get the cat, dead cat out of the yard. So my mother-in-law's not here. She was on FaceTime with me, and she was about, probably about Peter Pants. Because I, like, took a snow shovel, and I was like, okay, I can do this. And it was kind of squishy, and it's been dead for a long time. And I was like, oh, I can't do it. And then Thomas is like, put a garbage bag over it. I was like, then I have to touch it. I have to feel it. So I put a garbage bag over it, and then I took his grill tongs. <laughs> and it was in the backyard, and I had to go all the way to the garbage can up front. And so I'm running like this. <laughs> With the dead cat. It was so bad. It was so bad. Ugh. Yeah. So thank you, Jesus. I don't have to deal with dead animals and sacrifices because your girl could not handle it. I'm so thankful that we get to be in his presence. And that's a choice, to be in his presence. That when everything feels hopeless and broken, we get to choose Jesus. Romans 4, 18 verses, Romans 4, 18 through 25. And this is about Abraham. Against all hope, or another translation says, when everything was hopeless, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in faith and gave glory to God. He thought his body was broken. He thought he was past the point of ever becoming a father. That's what the world says. The world said, what his situation is, is hopeless. Like, you're not actually going to be able, your wife is not going to be able to have a child. You are both 100 years old. That is way past, that's a geriatric, geriatric pregnancy. If you're, that's, no, that's even more than that. But his faith wasn't weakened. Without weakening in his faith, or against all hope. Verse 20. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. He was firm in his foundation, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. What the world said was hopeless, 
strengthened Abraham's faith. Man, I need faith like that. We all need faith like that. We need to be strengthened in our faith and give glory to God. Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it is credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you thought of us when you were speaking to Abraham, when you made him that promise that he would be the father of many nations. He was thinking of you and the righteousness that he had in store for you. But also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. For us who believe that Jesus is our anchor. Jesus is our hope. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. I want a faith like this. I want a hope in Jesus like Abraham did. I want to be able to trust God enough that he is going to do what he said he is going to do. Because he already is, whether I trust him or not. But we get to be a part of it when we trust him. When we place our hope in him, we get to partner with God to bring more of heaven to earth. We get to partner with God to share the hope of Jesus with other people. And I think about it was credited to him as righteousness. And those words weren't written for him alone, for, but for us too. You are called righteous. And it's only by Jesus. And he loves you so much. And he's pursuing you. And he is desperate for you to call on him so that he can pull you out on the out of the pit. He wants you to wait on him. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He wants you to know him fully and intimately. He wants to give you authority over situations so that you can speak hope into other people's lives. And I think there, I think every single one of us, especially if you believe in Jesus, you are hoping for something today. And whether that's the hope of eternity or there are things here on earth that you are hoping for and believing in God for, you get to be a part of that miracle by placing your hope in him. You get to watch him turn your situation around when you trust him. And so if you have your phone, I want you to open your notes and I want you to write down what you're hoping for. And I want you to share it with somebody this week. And I want you to keep believing in hope because an act of hope it's not a stagnant hope that the world offers, right? An act of hope is that you're going to keep taking that to Jesus. You're going to keep laying it down at your feet. You're going to trust in him 
You're going to have a confident expectation that whatever you just wrote down, he is going to turn around. Even if you wrote down, I'm just hoping for heaven. Me too. Because it's going to be the best thing ever. And I'm so ready for Jesus, but I don't want to miss out on the hope that he wants to bring to a fallen and broken world right now. I live just ready for heaven for so many reasons. And I can get caught up in that, that I miss what the Lord wants to do right now. I miss being the expectancy I get to have, that, that confident expectation I get to have in him while I live my life here on earth. And we miss out on it. Keep, yes, keep your eyes on eternity. That is so important. I am not saying that. But also trust Jesus in your situation right now. And if you feel hopeless today, or even if you just feel like God has not been moving in your situation, just make make room, make space for him to come and do what only he can do. Just invite him in, surrender to him, come and kneel. Like this is, it was so cool leading worship last week and seeing the Lord spoke, like my children are kneeling at my feet. That is such a beautiful picture. Just surrender to him today. Whatever feels hopeless and broken and past the point of ever moving forward, just let him have it. Just let him have it. It's not... No, I'm not. No, it, it can be uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that it's comfortable to come up here. But when you're used to it, when you like, when you just feel the, the presence of Jesus wash over you and sitting in his presence, this will no longer be uncomfortable because it's holy ground. And there are people that will pray for you and anoint you because we want to see you walk in freedom. We want that breakthrough. We want that joy for you. We want your hope and your focus to be in Jesus and not on your situation. And so Jesus, I thank you for what you're gonna do in this place today, what you've already done in this place for the freedom that you have brought, for the breakthrough, for the joy, Jesus that is going to go forth from this place. Jesus, we thank you that we get to partner with you to bring more of heaven to earth, whether it's just in our own situations or if we get to, by the power of our testimony and the authority you have given us over situations, we get to go and change other people's lives because of what you have done in us and through us. And Jesus, we thank you for hope restored. We thank you for active hope. We thank you that we don't have to stay in dry, deserted places that feel completely empty and hopeless. We don't have to stay in that crappy, muddy pit because you pull us out. And so, Jesus, we call on your name today. God, I bind and rebuke 
the spirit of hopelessness and we send it straight back to the pit of hell in the name of Jesus. And we, Jesus, Jesus, we ask for hope restored. Jesus, we ask for more because we're not okay with what our situations currently look like. We want more of you, Jesus. We want more of your presence. We want more of your hope. Lord, may our hearts not be satisfied for the things that this world offers, but only be satisfied in you. God, we lay down our expectations of what we thought you should do, and we lay them at your feet, Jesus, and we surrender to you, and we say, do what only you can do, Jesus. Do what you have planned to do, because you are good and you are faithful. And the promises that you have for us are far beyond what we could ever imagine. God, may our confidence in you, may it not waver. Jesus, may we stand firm on your foundation. God, you are the anchor for our soul. Your hope is our anchor. Jesus, I pray against depression and anxiety, Jesus, the things that can quickly uh, quickly trap us. And Jesus, I just ask for peace and comfort, for joy restored. God, I thank you that you're restoring my, my joy. That you're restoring the joy of all of your children. God, that our hope is in you. Jesus, because you paid it all for us. We thank you that we are called righteous because of you. That you love us and pursue us continually. And you will stop at nothing to have all of our hearts Jesus, I pray over barren wombs today. God, that you would fill them with life that is going to change generations to come. Thank you, Jesus. May we not lose hopelessness. May we not, may we not lose our hope. May we not identify with hopelessness. I bind and rebuke lies that have been spoken over people for generations, Jesus. We send them back to the pit of hell in your name, because your name carries all authority. You are our hope. You are our anchor. Jesus, fill this place. God, we know you're already here, but God, I just pray that our hearts would just be softened to you, God, that we'd be open to what you want to do. Jesus, thank you. You're just so good, and we love you, and we praise you, and we worship you. And it's in your mighty and strong and beautiful name we pray. Amen.